Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Network. As always, appreciate listening in and making us the number one sports law podcast in the world. This is episode 24 of season four. And we have a very special guest with us today, Markel Leonard. He is the Assistant Director for Sport Management and Championships at the Pac-12 Conference. And of course, Pac-12 Conference being uh, UCLA, USC, Oregon, Oregon State, uh, Stanford, Washington, Washington State, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado, and then of course, uh, Cal Berkeley. So I think I got all the schools in there. Um but uh, obviously part of the Power Five conference, uh, Markel is a highly educated person, uh, very dialed into the sports media space, has a ton of experience with the Chargers, obviously with the Pac-12, NCAA, the Fiesta Bowl, and also the Arizona Cardinals. He holds a Master of Sports Law and Business uh, from the Sandra Day O'Connor College of Law at Arizona State University and a Bachelor's of Art in Media Studies from Lewis and Clark College. So without further ado, let's welcome in Markel Leonard. All right, folks, well, we have a a very special guest with us today, Markel Leonard. He is the Assistant Director for Sports Management and Championships with the Pac-12 Conference. Pac-12 Conference being one of the the big five conferences or power five conferences, if you will, uh, along with the SEC, ACC, Big 12, and Big 10. And uh, Markel is just a, a, a great man, a gentleman, and, and really just uh, appreciate him joining us today. He's got a terrific background. Uh, he's worked for the LA Rams. He's worked for the NCAA. He's worked for the Fiesta Bowl. He's worked for the Arizona Cardinals football team. Uh, he holds a Bachelor of Arts uh, from Lewis and Clark College. And then also he has a Master of Sports Law in uh, Business Sports Law uh, Studies from uh, Sandra Day O'Connor College of Law at Arizona State University, which is one of the top 25 uh, law schools in the country uh, and in a well-known graduate school. So Markel, thanks for being with us this, uh, this morning. How you doing? I'm good, man. Um, coming off of the three-day three day weekend, um, just put on our, helped put on our first ever baseball tournament at the Pac-12. So uh, first things first with you, Jeremy kind of getting the, the week rolling. So I'm happy it. to be here and, and thanks for the invite. Of course, man. No, nah, it's so good. To, so good to see you and, and, uh, and, and to be with you. Um, you know, Markel, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, maybe your background. And I'd like to start with this question of, you know, you're doing sort of sports uh, partnerships with, uh, with the PAC 12, which is, you know, one of the biggest conferences in the country and includes, you know, UCLA, USC, you know, Washington, Washington State, uh, Oregon and Berkeley and uh, just a lot of big name schools. Um, 
so did you sort of choose your path like into into sort of uh college sports and getting into that, that sort of realm, or is it something to your path choose you, or was it a mixture of both? I think it was a mixture of both, right? Like I played college basketball in college, big basketball guy played since I was four years old, played baseball and football as well throughout my, my earlier years, but basketball was one that really stuck with me. I love the game. And um, I knew I always wanted to be in sport, but I thought that I was going to be in the NBA and, you know, I'm five foot 11, six foot on a good day. Um, and that the NBA wasn't, wasn't in the cards for me. I was a, I was a pretty good basketball player, you know, played all of high school, won a state championship in high school, ended up playing division one at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, then transferring to Lewis and Clark college and finishing off my basketball playing career there. And, um, I had some shots at going overseas. I had some some offers, England, uh, Venezuela, El Salvador. Uh, but honestly, Jeremy, it wasn't the right choice for me, right? Like I think when you get to that crossroads of, okay, what's next at, at the end of college, undergrad at least, you have that crossroads question of uh, do I continue on doing this sports thing or do I need to find something else that's going to be financially uh, – great for me. And the question was, do I go get my master's and do something that's never been done before in my family and for, and, and in the area that I'm from, which is uh, the South side of Richmond, California in the Bay area, or I continue to kind of do the same things. A lot of the people uh, from the area that I'm from want to do, which is become a professional athlete or become a recording artist. So I've, I took it upon myself to kind of say, Hey, let me show some kids from, from the Bay Area that another route. You know, you can go into athletic administration or sports law or sports business and be well off and, you know, drive a nice car and live in a nice house. All the things that kids from the inner city want out of life, you can get that in a different profession as well. It, it might take some time, but, you know, you grind, you meet the right people, you, there's good timing, you're in the right place at the right time, and you'll get there eventually. So I think it was a combination of both of, me choosing my path and then the path choosing me, I think uh, it's my calling to kind of be that example and that teacher for kids that look like me and come from the, the same area as me to kind of do this, right? But I also, I'm, I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about giving back. I'm passionate about being in athletic administration and kind of showing people the way, right? Like kind of being that trailblazer uh, from, you know, the East Bay to say, hey, you know, Markel Leonard from Richmond, he went to this school. He did these things to get on. He met these people. If he can do it, so can I. You know, he looks like me. He's from the same area. He can do the same. I can do the same things that that he did. You know, so I, I'm I'm very passionate about giving the blueprint and kind of showing people the way. Yeah. No, and I love what you said there, Markel, because that is so important about um, leaving a legacy and 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 being an example to other people. Um, you know, even like in my family, you know, I, I'm, I come from a large family. I've got eight brothers and sisters and the youngest of nine kids. And I've got, you know, 49 nephews and nieces now. Uh, it's just an astronomical number. Right. And to your point, um, you know, what you do matters, right? I think some of the most satisfactory sort of calls I get is from people who tell me years later that, I appreciate what you shared, or 
I appreciate what you did, or you encouraged me to do this and you're not even knowing about it until years later. But it just, it, it's those moments where you realize that your work's important. And so, I mean, I applaud you for that, you know, for going after your passions and going after um, what you love and, and, you know, ultimately that's going to have an effect on people, which is, uh, which is terrific. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so tell us, tell me a little bit about how you got your start, you know, yeah. like what was your first job? Um, where did that lead you to? And then, and then kind of walk us through how you ended up with, uh, with the PAC 12, which, which is, I mean, such a huge job. It's a big conference and, and, um, and hard to work there considering that there's only, uh, number one, it's competitive, but two, that, you know, there's only a certain amount of slots that you can, you can get in there. Right. So maybe walk us through your, your, uh, your history a little bit. Yeah. So my story is a lot about perseverance. It's a lot about timing. It's a lot about having the right people know who you are. So when I was finishing playing at Lewis and Clark and I graduated with my bachelor's in rhetoric and media studies, obviously I had the crossroads, right? And I ended up choosing going to Arizona State Sports Law and Business Program. And at first I I wasn't sure that I was even qualified to get there because when you play a sport in college that you're really serious about, you don't have much work experience. Like my summers weren't dedicated to internships or externships or part-time jobs. My summers were dedicated to the gym where I was in the gym for four or five hours every day, lifting, shooting, you know, outside track workouts, so on and so forth, open gyms. So I dedicated myself to the game and, and I, and it ended up, it didn't hurt me, but I just didn't have anything on paper to, to show for myself as far as working. I didn't get the, the part-time job at, with the Portland Trailblazers doing, you know, basketball operations or an internship with, you know, the, the Golden State Warriors in, in basketball ops or anything like that. So I kind of went into Arizona State green and blind with no experience besides being a player. And I ended up getting a call from at the time, like one of the directors of the program, his name was Sam Renault. Sam ended up calling me. I'm working at like Dick Sporting Goods. It's a long day. I've been there since 6 a.m. And I think I worked like a 12-hour shift that day. And he calls me and say, hey, I, I loved your, your cover letter. I loved, you know, your mission statement. All of that is great. But, you know, your GPA isn't meeting the standard requirement that we have here at Arizona State for this, for this law school. So explain to me why you should – why should I admit you into the program? And, Jeremy, honestly, I was having a very, very bad day that day. So I shot it to him straight. I said, hey, look, I know my 2.8 GPA is not the standard you guys want to have here, but I need you to understand this, and that is I'm a big proponent of your GPA is not a reflection of who you are as a person, how hard you work. Your GPA is a reflection of are you interested in the subject matter that you're learning or are you not? And if you let me into this program, I can promise you that I'll be one of the best students that you've ever seen come out of this program. I'll dedicate that to you. I'll make that promise if you let me in. And he took he took me up on my promise and let me in. And from the first day of school until I graduated, I had to make sure that I made him look good with that promise. Um, so I was, you know, asking questions, you know, peppering, you know, guest speakers, with things like, um, you know, Lon Babby, 
uh, who was like a former front office member for the Phoenix Suns came in one day and I had a bunch of questions because he was drafting people when I was really interested in the NBA and the Phoenix Suns at the time that drafted like two point guards. I want to say it was like Eric Bledsoe and Ricky Rubio. And I asked him straight up in class, hey, Lon, like, what was the logic behind that? And he kind of was stumped a little bit. And he was kind of looking at me like, how does this kid know so much about draft history and things like that? So I think after that day, I got very confident in my abilities. I started meeting with my professors on what my next steps would be and what I want to do. Ended up running into a mentor of mine now, Stephanie Jarvis. Um, and she pretty much said, hey, you love the game of basketball. I think this internship at the NCAA, uh, running the March Madness tournament in the Final Four would be a good fit for you. So we sat down every day, went over the, the prompts and the questions. Um, and then I got that. And once I started working at the NCAA, everything else started falling into place. I did that for a year. Um, ended up working all the way up until Selection Sunday, and then the tournament got canceled in 2020 due to the coronavirus. So after that, I said, man, what am I going to do? You know, the NBA is going into the bubble. I'm not, you know, I can't go work in the NBA. They're not hiring. You know, at the time, college athletics, they were cutting programs and cutting costs, letting people go. College athletics wasn't a good, you know, it wasn't a good space for an up-and-coming sports business professional so I had to call, again, I called Sam Renault and said, hey, look, man, what's the next best option for me? This is what I want to do. I want to be on the West Coast. I want to get back closer to home because my mom was feeling a little ill at the time. She was going through some things. I wanted to get back closer to her. But I want to be in, like, some type of operations front office type of deal. He said, well, you're a basketball guy, and basketball is not hiring, so the next best option for you is the NFL. The NFL is going to play games through this, through this coronavirus some way, somehow. So let me introduce you to some folks, you know, with the LA Rams, you know, introduced me to the director of football affairs at the LA Rams. Him and I had a, you know, a couple of really good conversations where he gave me a lot of good feedback on how to approach people like himself. He ended up liking me enough to introduce me to the director of football operations. She and I had a very, had some commonalities, some natural commonalities where she was from. She worked at Cal. Um, you know, we had very similar family backgrounds. We kind of just hit it off naturally. And she offered me the job, uh, internship job kind of on the spot, you know, randomly. And I had no idea. So that's how I kind of got on with the Rams was by pivoting from basketball, seeing what my next best option was, being in the right place at the right time, being in front of the right people and being impressive. And then I worked with the Rams for a year and a half. Um, and I was ready. I was honestly, Jeremy, it was an internship. I was in my or it was a fellowship. I was in my second year of the fellowship and I was kind of ready to to make a jump. Right. My first full time job. I, I was you know, I was engaged at the time. I have I'm thinking about what's next for me. I'm 27 years old and I wanted to become more full time. Now it's just something that I want to do It was nothing against the Rams or the people in the building. I was just ready to take that next step and kind of, you know, get some benefits, get great health insurance and all that stuff, all the things that come with being an adult, I was just ready to do it. Right. And there was no promises that I was going to get offered a full-time gig with the Rams at the end of the season. So the, and the PAC 12 kind of came calling say, Hey, I think you would be a good fit for this. Think about it. And I thought about it and I took it. I interviewed um, with a lot of the people that I knew that were in the office. 
So my relationship with the Pac-12 goes all the way back to when I was an intern at the NCAA, they allow you to do a professional development trip. And I took my professional development trip to the Bay Area. And I met a lot of the people in the within the Pac-12 conference office. And I stayed in touch. And that's kind of how I got the job with the Pac-12, because there was some familiarity there um, with some of those people that were hiring. So that's kind of how I that's my journey with, you know, never giving up, you know, right place, right time, always following up, reaching out to people, letting them know where you're at in life and kind of being the person that, you know, bet on themselves. I love that. I love that. I mean, your story, Markel, about um, and I appreciate you sharing that. I think uh, your story about your Arizona state experience and then, you know, telling them, in a very raw way, which was great. You know, like this is honestly where I'm at and my GPA is not a reflection of, you know, my character of my work ethic. It's a reflection of this is a class that um, is not my, you know, particular, you know, favorite subject. It's not, you know, something that I want to plan to have work in. Uh, and um, frankly, Arizona state was lucky to have you, man, you know, <laughs> with, with your, with, with your character and with your, uh, your work ethic, you know, um, and of course you're making them proud, you know, you know, every day with the different opportunities that you're getting involved in with the PAC 12. And, and now you're kind of overseeing them from a sports standpoint, you know, from, uh, you know, from, from, from that aspect, but I appreciate you sharing that. And, and, um, it's just, you know, very, very powerful, uh, with that. So, so tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing now at the PAC 12. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the title is, you know, assistant director, sport management, sports management and championships. What does that look like, um, you know, in terms of what your role is and has that changed, um, you know, basically since um, or how, how has that been, been affected by name, image and likeness? Yeah, so I'll answer your first question first on uh, my role. So essentially, um, we have a team of sports managers, we call them, and we all have different sports that we manage or we're primary administrators for from the conference side. So for me, I'm a primary sport administrator for women's lacrosse and swimming and diving. So what that means is I help, I help administer the championship. So swimming and diving is a neutral site championship, meaning the Pac-12 puts on and administers that championship from the conference side. So all everything from signage to, you know, decor to whatever you can think of operational wise for the tournament, the PAC 12 runs it. And for women's lacrosse is a campus hosted uh, championship. So we work with our, you know, six teams that we have across in women's lacrosse. And we go from this year was at Arizona state next year. It'll be at Cal. So this year we worked with Arizona State's kind of event manager staff to help put on the championship versus it all being the Pac-12. Um, so I'm kind of just the liaison where I work with the coaches group on, you know, obviously putting on the championship, but a lot of uh, administrative duties like, you know, if the coaches have a recommendation on how they want the championship format to be, you know, once the rotation cycle is over, I'm able to administrate and monitor that conversation on, hey, okay, we want to go from single elimination to double elimination in our tournament uh, format. Why is that Why is that a good thing? Why is that a bad thing? Does it help RPI? Does it 
you know, help, you know, is it more financially beneficial for us? Like there's a lot of different things that go into those conversations of with the coaches group. I'm also kind of the person if they have a question about rules or regulations. Hey, Mark, I know in women's lacrosse, we didn't allow people to stand six feet apart in the box due to COVID, the substitution box. Uh, is that possible this year? Are we still abiding by the COVID rules? And then I'll go look into our Pac-12 handbook or I'll go into the women's lacrosse rules book from the NCA and say, okay, that rule is no longer in place. You can, you know, go back to how it was, you know, in 2020, 2021, uh, just things like that. Or uh, how we determine, I determine, you know, how many, or the coaches determine and I carry out, like how many awards are passed out, like MVP plus 11 all tournament awards, uh, things like that. So a lot of it is just, you know, listening to your coaches group, putting on the championship. Uh, and then also one of my big roles is I'm kind of the championship central guy. I'm kind of the bridge between like all of our external vendors. So like Gatorade and like our signage companies and like our hats and t-shirts companies. I'm kind of the bridge between those folks and the people in within the conference office. So once a team wins a championship, they get the tournament or the championship hat and t-shirt. I kind of am the guy that makes sure that it gets there on time. I work with our other sport managers who have, you know, baseball, basketball, football, and say, hey, how many shirts and hats do you need? When do you need it by? And, you know, you go from there. Same thing with Gatorade. Hey, how much Gatorade product do we need at this championship? And the sport managers say, well, you know, we need 10, 10 gallon coolers. We need a bunch of, you know, powder. We need some protein, uh, protein bars, et cetera, et cetera. And then I relay that message to Gatorade. Hey, this is how much they need at, at, uh, at football. This is how much they need at, at the men's soccer championship, or this is how much they need at the baseball tournament. And then I kind of am the, the bridge between one end of the spectrum and the other. So I say that's a big portion of my job is, you know, being that administrator for the two sports that I, you know, that I oversee primarily, and then being support to the administrators for their other, or the, for the other sports. So for like baseball, basketball, I kind of have, you know, I go in and help out with whatever they need. For the basketball tournament, I was a team liaison. So I handled the University of Arizona all week. For baseball, it's kind of the same thing, kind of a team liaison where you make sure they get to practice on time. You communicate with their director of operations and make sure everything's kind of in line. So I'd say that's my job is managing uh, the sport that I oversee, um, you know, being an administrator to the coaches group uh, and, you know, carrying out and trying to grow the sports that I have. Oh, that's awesome. And Markel, I mean, that definitely sounds like that's like a relationship uh, business there in terms of keeping up relationships, but then also some of some compliance pieces too. Right. So your, your, your educational background is, you know, um, and your personality probably worked perfect for that role. I, I would think. It's uh it's very relationship based. I, I would say, I think the, the best sport manager in, you know, in the country are, are, you know, very relationship based and they really, they really know how to kind of work those relationships, you know, to be advantageous for them or to be advantageous for the conference or for the membership. Um, the best board managers that I've seen in my eight months of being here are very relationship based. They're great listeners. They're not afraid to use their voice, but they also do what's best, not just for the individual schools, but for the conference in, in totality.
Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and then on the NIL piece, has that affected your role at all? I mean, um, have you come across that at all in, in what you're doing now? Or, I mean, well, I guess one of the big things that I came across that I thought was fascinating, um, which I think is related to the question is, you know, one of the ideas that sort of came out with name, image, and likeness was, well, what happens if a student athlete wants to, um, you know, use a certain image or video in a promotion, you know, with a product or they want to use it in their NIL. And I thought it was very forward thinking that, you know, the PAC 12, you know, came out very early and said, you know, we're going to, we're going to license these, you know, um, you know, some of these limited images and videos to the players, uh, which I thought was great. And I thought that was very forward thinking because on one hand it helps the students. Right. But on the other hand, it actually, um, it benefits the product too, in the sense of the PAC 12, because ultimately when somebody thinks of a player, they're going to think of the team, they're going to think of the conference. So, um, I, you know, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that or even just NIL in general, but I'd, I'd love to hear your feedback in terms of how it's affected your job or, or, um, or just maybe thoughts in general on NIL and maybe sort of what the, what the sort of future looks like there for you or for the PAC 12. Yeah. Um, it hasn't affected my job much, but if you ask, you know, Eric Price, who's, you know, our, kind of our compliance guy and, and he runs that team over there, I can, I'd be pretty positive that he would have a lot to say about NIL, how it's affect, affecting the compliance and governance piece of college athletics in general. Um, but I mean, I think NIL is a good thing, right? Like if you can get a, if you can make some of these kids won't make it to the NBA or they won't make it to the NFL or they won't go to the WNBA, especially like the, our women student athletes, like you got to think that might be the most money they make in their entire careers. If they don't go to the WNBA or even if they do go to the WNBA and play overseas, you know, I think it's great for our female student athletes for sure, because, you know, if they can make as much money as the men, I want to say, I saw something uh, on, on Instagram that like, the, the most lucrative student athletes from NIL deals were, were like a couple college basketball players or uh, women's college basketball players. I don't think I want to say it was like Paige Beckers from UConn and Haley Van Leith from Louisville. And I was like, that's great because, you know, Paige and Haley will definitely go on to play in the WNBA, but some of these other young ladies might not make it. And what they make at Kentucky or Louisville or Cal or Oregon or wherever Arizona, Arizona state, you know, that sets them up for success after college, then so be it. If, if they've put in the work to become a commodity that stock X or Gatorade or the local car dealership wants to put their face on something and, and pay them for it. Why not? You know, they, they work, they put in that much work to be that good that they can land endorsement deals and, and all, and all those things why not be able to make money off of yourself? I mean, you put a lot of work in to, you know, to get to that point, why not reap the benefits and the fruits of your labor from that? On the flip side, I think college athletics shifts dra dramatically because of NIL. And I think with the collectives and, and things like that, it was already like an arms race with facilities. 
Like if Alabama created a new facility with the barbershop and Whirlpool's Georgia football is like, okay, we got to keep up because we're going to lose recruits because they have all this stuff. Or if Arizona State football creates, you know, a state-of-the-art facility, USC is like, okay, we, we're losing recruits to ASU. Let's try to keep up and build whatever we can with however much capital we have from donors or privately funded things, whatever the case may be to keep up because we don't want to lose recruits. I think now it shifts to the collectives having a lot more power and, hey, this quarterback or this point guard or, you know, this top tier, you know, freestyle swimmer is thinking about going to Cal. Let's try to put all of our money together at Stanford to get him or her to come to our university. I think it, it gets away from, you know, the tradition of the school or, it gets away from opportunity, playing time, or facilities, or coaches, and it, it shifts from that, and I think it shifts more towards how much money can I make, right? Like, what what money, how much money is this school offering me, at least at the Power Five level, you know, because when I was coming out, it was more about, okay, I'm a point guard. These guys have, you know, three or four seniors here they're all on their way out. I can come in and play right away. Or you wanted to go play for, you know, a Tom Izzo or uh, a Jay Wright or, you know, uh, a Roy Williams or a Bill Self. You wanted to go play for those guys or John Calipari because they, you know, they set guys up for success to make it to the next level or in a, you know, an Adia Barnes or, 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 you know, someone of that sort, right. That in women's basketball. Um, But now I think it goes, from that being the only reason why you go there so okay i can go to usc and make a little bit of money as well as play as well as play for a great you know a top 25 program so i think money has a little bit to do with the shift uh in college athletics with nil and the collectives and and the like yeah no i i love how you summarize that markel because man it's so important i think you know, like for me, I agree with you. I think NIL, um, if you would ask me maybe four or five years ago, probably would have a different answer. Um, but as I think, as I started to research and look into it, I realized that one of the problems was that the NBA and the NFL put restrictions on players in terms of when they can enter the draft. Now, of course, the NBA has done some things to alleviate that by creating the professional pathways program by having, you know, a more well-established G league, uh, obviously there's options to go overseas. Uh, and then of course, but still that one and done rules in play. And I've often said, you know, get rid of the one and done rule, let folks make the choice of going to college. And then that way it's, it's a clear division. It's like, you go to college, you have restrictions. This is what you have to do. You go to the NBA, you know, you know what you're getting into or whatever sport it is. And of course the NFL still has the, the junior year rule, right? Yep. And I don't know if that'll ever be changed because the biggest thing that you always hear about from a talent standpoint in college football is the speed and strength. Uh, and, you know, obviously, arguably, could you have some players that could make it from, you know, from high school to um, NFL? I don't know. Maybe if they're in, you know, on a, on the backup squad and and they're being trained, but, the reality of it is, is that the NCAA is a great um, opportunity to train these guys. Uh, and um, it's a great way for recruitment. Yeah. But 
you know, it, it's interesting. I think NIL, you mentioned the collectives and everything else. And, and it's just so interesting because it's that sort of philosophical question of like, when do universities get involved? When do they not get involved? Do they become partners with the students? Um, do they, uh, do they take a percentage of the money that comes in or do they take the California approach? And um, there's a bill going through the legislature, state legislature right now talking about, I think it's $25,000 per student per year. And then an additional um, percentage of the money once they graduate from school. So in some sense, an incentive to graduate. And then um, what does that look like? And then to your point, does that just make it more incentivized to go to a California school versus Oregon or Arizona or what have you? And I'll tell you to that last point, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on the regulation piece and what you think might be the solution. You know, is it a is it a federal law, which I think is increasingly unlikely and just based on history and everything else, the federal government rarely gets involved in things, uh, particularly on state level contracts and name, image, and likeness rights in the NCAA. They're very, very weary of getting involved in private businesses, uh, particularly in college athletics. They threaten a lot to get things moving or whatever. They did this through the drug scandal in baseball they did this in the, this past off season with baseball and trying to get them to come to an agreement on their CBA. And they've made, you know, some, um, you know, put some alert out there that, you know, maybe something could be done on the NCAA level, but I'd be curious as to your thoughts in, in terms of NIL, what does that look like? You know, what, what is, what is the answer there? Maybe we don't know the answers. Um, but I think the whole Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban uh, dispute kind of highlights that, um, you know, there's going to be some sort of issues around this, particularly as state laws differ. But to me, and the last point I'll make, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Markel, is I don't necessarily, it doesn't bother me that the states compete with each other. I think competition is a good thing. I think if California wants to pass a law that's more beneficial to their students, great, you know, then another state can do the same thing or they can offer a different incentive. I mean, that's what competition is all about, right? And it ultimately gets the cost of education down uh, or gets the opportunity for education a little bit more accessible to people. Uh, but anyway, those are, those are my thoughts, but I'd, I'd love to hear what, what you think about NIL and, and the best ways to regulate it or the best ways to kind of deal with it. Yeah, I mean, at first I was a little skeptical, right? Just because I thought about it from this standpoint, like, okay, on a basket on a football team, your quarterback is not successful without his offensive line blocking. So if if the quarterback's getting all the all the love and getting paid, like how would you feel at 18 years old if this guy that I'm blocking for is making a lot of money and I'm not getting anything? At first, I thought, okay, maybe that will cause some divide, especially you know we we're not as mature as we are at 27 or or 35. Then than we are at, at 18, 19, 20, 21, right? Like, especially when money's involved and you're playing and competing and things like that. I thought that NIL was going to ruin team dynamic. You know, I do that, you know, I block for you, you, you throw, he scores, like it's a team type of sport dynamic environment, whatever the case may be. And I wasn't for it at first. You know, the more I started thinking about it, I said, okay, that's, 
this whole NIL thing might not be a, a bad thing uh, for the universities or for the student athlete because, you know, they're, they're selling this jersey. You know, he's putting in all this work and he's not seeing anything from it. Granted, they get free education. They'll get, you know, whatever, you know, whatever Pell Grant money that they get or whatever the case may be. They get all those things. Like there's a lot of different things that student athletes get that they should be grateful for. But in addition, if I'm putting out this product and I'm not getting anything for it, you guys are selling things. You guys are putting my face on, on billboards and, you know, cars and whatever the case may be. And I'm not seeing any money. I don't think that's fair. Um, but as far as NIL goes, I don't know to the answer to your question, right? Like, I think we're all kind of in limbo right now where it's going to take us. I think uh, from the conference level, I think, um, it's going to take some years to really see like where it takes us. Cause I think we're in very early stages of the NIL thing. Uh, right now it hasn't done any bad, right. Besides the whole Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban duel that they had on TV the other, the other week. Um, but I'm not sure where NIL takes us. I think that's the big question that everyone in college athletics uh, around the country is that's the, that's the, the gold question is where is this going to take us? Will it derail us or will it accelerate us and make us nimble and flexible and, and take college athletics to another level? So I don't know the answer to your question just because it's still relatively fresh, right? Like, it, like I think your point to having the states compete, it might not be a bad thing, but it it could be a bad thing, right? If, if you know, state, you know, state administration start taking things to uh, Louisiana did this. So Texas, we have to do this because we don't really like Louisiana and whatever the case may be, it can get out of hand because things become personal. But if it becomes more about the holistic college model and doing things for the student athlete to benefit the student athlete in the university, I think it could be a good thing. But if things get emotional as people do sometimes or, it becomes an arms race. I'm not sure. So I, I say TBD on that. And, you know, maybe five, 10 years from now, we can hop back on the podcast and, and talk about the effects of NIL. I love it. Yeah, no. And I agree with you completely because that's the part that I didn't mention was you're right. Cause it could go the completely opposite direction and it could be the race to the bottom. Right. And it could be well, let me change, let's change our laws to make it so easy to make money, um, you know, that potentially some of the stuff is illegal, you know, or, you know, I'll give you, I'll give an example. University of Tennessee at Martin, a small school, um, had their star quarterback endorse a political candidate and he got paid for it. And it was like a candidate for district attorney down there. Now, I've, to me, in my mind, that shouldn't be a part of NIL. That should be, you know, it should be outside of NIL sort of, uh, you know, purview. And then I look at like Georgia's law, which out, you know, sort of outlaws any sort of the sin industry products. You can't endorse alcohol. You can't endorse, um, um, you know, drugs. You can't endorse pornography, right? Or, or products that sort of have those things or support those things or what have you. And to me, I think those kind of make sense for the college setting, right? Um, because even the pros limit that stuff. Again, we're dealing with private associations here. Obviously some schools are public, whatever. Uh, but I, I it's going to be interesting. I'd be curious if it's the, the, the PAC 12 or the big, you know, sort of power five conferences, if you will, uh, 
or whether it's the um, NCAA that comes down with, you know, a, a list of rules and responsibilities. And, and maybe to your point, uh, it's, it's sort of the wait and see approach right now in that this has been put out there and then we'll sort of see what happens. We'll see sort of where it goes from here and how it opens up and what changes. And, um, you know, the reality of it is, is that we learned a ton of things about COVID or a ton of things about ourselves from COVID in that um, we will learn that we can work from home. We learned that we can be more flexible. Uh, we learned to spend more time, you know, more time with our family and friends. We learned, um, you know, a lot of different things, right? And, and I think maybe NIL will show us that too. And in some sense, maybe it's the process is to get NIL out there and then figure it out. And then from there go, okay, here's the changes we need to make to this. We have to stop doing this. Do we limit this? You know, because every school is taking a completely different approach, right? You know, some schools are, you know, I think the University of Houston has taken on, um, you know, like a whole platform where they're helping to organize NIL deals for athletes. Um, I think UCLA and USC were developing something similar. Um, and then you have the compliance piece, you know, how is this stuff reported? So uh, fascinating stuff. Um, if I could, Markel, take you back a little bit to lacrosse and some of their sports that you work in. Um, have you seen some development in those sports? I, I feel like when I hear about NIL, I hear that NIL is affecting those sports more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen some growth in those sports, not directly related to NIL, but just in general, are you starting to see, um, more television dollars going towards them? more notoriety, um, social media presence, anything like that, that you can comment on in those particular sports that you're overseeing? I could talk about lacrosse and swimming. Um, lacrosse, I think, is probably one of the fastest growing college athletics uh, sports in the country. Is really, you know, especially uh, on the Midwest and the East Coast is extremely popular. We're trying to get it to be as popular on the West Coast. That was one of um, the things that we've been working on at the Pac-12, um, it actually just got announced today um, that we'll be um, expanding our conference to to eight teams from six um, to add UC Davis and San Diego State to kind of protect the 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 growth and the stability of West Coast women's lacrosse because we do want to be competitive when it comes to um, when it comes to getting teams in and representing the West Coast, specifically the Pac-12 in the in the NCAA tournament. So um, I see lacrosse is ever growing. Um, that was one of the things that I took pride in was trying to grow the sport that I was given. And I was able to do that, you know, in, a, in the eight months, I was able to help administrate that that growth um, in women's lacrosse in the Pac-12. So that's great. Um, our women's lacrosse teams are awesome. You know, we've had great teams, you know, the Stanford's, the Arizona States, the USC's are great. Um, very competitive conference um, we have here in the Pac-12 and women's lacrosse. So um, I've seen some 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 type of I don't know if they're NIL deals. Uh, they, I mean, they are they, they may be. But in swimming, I've definitely seen it. You know, some of the men's swimmers, they they have, you know, certain you know like the c4 energy drink or they get like their like little suits sponsored and 
and things like that, or they'll get sponsored by the, like the local nutrition shop um, in their respective communities. I've definitely seen that on Instagram um, of late. Um, so I think it's starting to get a little, a little lucrative for them um, because swimming is just as popular with it being a very premier Olympic sport. Um, but the, we're trying to, from the conference side, trying to get, you know, the swimming and diving piece on TV a little bit more and same thing with lacrosse. Yeah. Now, and I think that's the, one of the fantastic things about NIL and, and really television in general with streaming that the opportunities now are exponential with regard to the non sort of big five sports, you know, baseball, soccer, basketball, football, um, and, uh, what did I, what am I missing? Hockey. Um, I think outside of those five, there's a lot of growth in these other sports and there's a lot of interest in them. Um, you know, and, and frankly, I think it was when they did a, a recent report on where we're at with NIL and how much money is being made. It was, um, you know, essentially the female athletes and particularly in the non sort of big five sports that, uh, were making, um, you know, really good money. And frankly, uh, probably endorse endorsers or brands, if you will, um, we're, we're probably looking at that as a great opportunity and investment because maybe you don't pay high dollar amounts that you would for a star quarterback, but you're still going to get really good exposure because it's all about engagement. It's all about, you know, that sort of thing. Um, well, where do you sort of see the, the PAC 12 going as sort of some closing questions in terms of, um, you know, I don't know if you can talk about this or not, um, and we can pass on it, but, uh, this idea of like maybe expansion, I mean, we've seen obviously Colorado being added, Utah being added. Um, so now we're at, you know, obviously the 12 teams, we were the pack 10 for the longest time. And I think the pack eight prior to that, uh, you've seen the sec add, um, you know, uh, was it Oklahoma and Texas. I know a while back, the pack 12 was talking about a potential like super conference with, um, with the big, uh, I think it was the big 12 at the time, but I think the big hangup was Texas's TV deal. Uh, and then of course, um, the big 10 and the, in the PAC 12 have very similar relationships and they play each other a lot. And of course they have the connection in, in the Rose bowl game every year. Yep. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? If you can talk about it, if you can't, that's okay. But uh, you know, even, even from like just a guessing standpoint, where do you think, the conferences are going. Do you think they're still going to yield power? Uh, do you think they're going to maybe replace the NCAA in 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 some senses uh, of of you know sort of um, oversight or anyway? I just love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, I think that's what this huge transformation committee things is all about right now is because everyone's in limbo about what college athletics is going to look like going forward. Um, from the Pac-12 standpoint, you know, we love our teams. Um, I can't speak uh, for expansion or things like that because that's a little bit above my pay grade. You might have to ping George Klyovkov about that, our commissioner, on, on that. But from down here at the, you know, the second tier, moving up into that A group soon, hopefully, uh, I'd say, you know, the conference looks at things its mindset is, does it make sense financially? It doesn't make sense logistically as far as like the footprint goes. Um, but we love our 12 teams that we have here. And, 
you know, I don't, I'm not sure about expansion. Uh, I've only been here eight months too. So you might have to, you know, call George Klyavkov or Jamie's <laughs> Nemovich or Teresa Gould on that one. Those are the conversations that, you know, they may be having. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy the 12 teams we have here. It all makes sense. Our footprint, our footprint is, is amazing. Um, but, you know, I can see the Pac-12 continuing being the conference of champions, right? Like, you know, we, I can't remember the number, but I think we we won like two championships in one day, like last week. And that's a, I don't think that's ever been done before. Um, you know, now we're just trying to, we're trying to keep up with, you know, the rest of the power five and getting some championships in, in basketball and football. And I think if we can get dominant in those two sports, I think we're the best conference in the country um, because, you know, we dominate all the other Olympic sports and things like that. But, um, you know, we're, we're a little bit behind in basketball and football. So the goal is, you know, to get to get us there at some point, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, but I think we continue being, you know, a great conference, uh, one of the premier conferences on the West Coast. And, you know, just continually, continue, continuously being innovative um, and forward thinking, as well as continually doing what's best for our student athletes at our 12 institutions. I think that's what we're going to continue to do. Um, at a high level, whether that's, you know, helping them administer NIL deals or having an NIL like provider or firm on on staff at the Pac-12 or, you know, continuously getting the best sponsorship deals and putting on the best championships and so on and so forth. I think the level we want to continue to, you know, perform at a high level from the conference in. That's what that's our goal. And to continuously do what's best for the student athletes in the conference and the conference as a whole. So I think that's what we're worried about is, you know, maybe getting out ahead of some of the issues that are coming forward in college athletics and always doing what's right uh, for the conference and the student athletes within the conference. Yeah. No, and I love that. And I'll tell you, um, and I appreciate, you know, all your responses on that. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I think you're exactly right. At the end of the day, the PAC 12, you know, is the conference of champions. You want to be able to focus in on that. You want to be able to win championships, uh, get the notoriety, graduate students, um, and really just be that sort of center for excellence, right? You know, you want to have all 12 schools be performing at their highest level. You know, um, I think oftentimes the criticism of conferences is that you have maybe a top level of four, four schools, and then there's like everybody else, right? And I would say the Pac-12 is usually pretty balanced in that sense, in that you have uh, good schools across the board, right? And you have good um, geographic setting too, you know, um, Mountain West to the West Coast and everything. And so I, I think in, in that, and then of course the Southwest. So um, I'm kind of curious where that's all going to go. And, and I think the hiring of, of George out of, um, you know, the Pac-12 commissioner out of uh, Las Vegas I thought was important. I think, you know, here's, here's a guy who has experience in um, sports betting experience in Vegas and entertainment. And I think that uh, not necessarily with sports gambling, but I think with the entertainment aspect, uh, the production aspect, I think uh, George could have a, a huge impact on that uh, to grow the conference and, um, to get it on, to, to really to, to rise it to the next level, because I, I, I think that the PAC 12 is obviously part of the power five, 
but I think that, you know, anybody can admit that, um, that there's, there's always room for growth. And, and I think the PAC 12 is in a, in a, in a good spot to do that. But, um, so Markel, I want to, you know, maybe close off with this sort of final question and maybe some words of advice, uh, that you want to share with our listeners, um, any wisdom that you've picked up over the years, uh, anything that, uh, that you could pass along to, to folks that are listening in. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, run your race. What's for you is for you. You know, don't worry about, you know, this person is rising faster than, you know, than average, you know, continuously stay focused on, on your journey and your path because everyone's journey and path is different. You know, stay persistent, you know, don't, don't accept no. Um, there, all you need is one yes to get your foot in the door. Um, the, the NCA was able to provide that for me. And after that, you know, things started flowing based off of my credibility as a worker, but even better than that, my credibility as a person, because I'd say hiring committees or hiring companies, they'll look at your resume and say, okay, he has all the tools, but what type of person is he or she? Can we work with them every day? Can we get along with them? So your qualities as a human being and a person is almost just as important as your qualities on paper, on your resume and your experience. So be a good person, be someone that people would love to work with, stay persistent, embrace your journey because it's for you. You know, everybody runs and grows and, and sprouts at different, you know, rates and, and different speeds. And also bet on yourself, you know, your career is only going to last for so long. The shoulda, coulda, woulda mindset is not the mindset you should go about. You know, if there's something you want, try to figure out, be strategic about how you can get there. Okay, I want to go work at the Pac-12. Who in the Pac-12 has similarities to me, whether that, that person went to Arizona State, whether that person loves basketball, whether that person is in a position that you want to be some someday, reach out, you know, try to try to get your foot in the door by having informational interviews and bet on yourself. Come prepared, be strategic with your questions and be strategic with your search and, and, and your journey, right? Like, I think I've gotten to the point that I, I'm at in my career because I was strategic with it. Hey, the NCAA has a bunch of people who love basketball on a, on a staff. How can I get in front of someone? Ask my mentor, hey, you know, Stephanie Jarvis, do you know anyone on this staff that I can just talk to? Yes, let me introduce you to Nico Roberts. Nico Roberts has a phone call with me. We, we click it off. We're around the same age, plays basketball at Kansas. We both made the tournament in the same year. We're talking about Final Four experiences, so on and so forth. Nico vouches for me in that room, I'm pretty sure, and I get the internship. I was yeah. being strategic about my approach, right? Same thing with the Pac-12. Hey, I have previous relations from my internship with people at the PAC 12 at, from my professional development trip. I see the PAC 12 is hiring. Hey, Hey, Cheryl Wong. Hey, Jamie Zaninovich. I see this job post and I'm interested in it. You know, do you think I have a chance or what do you think I should apply? Hey, Marco, nice to talk with you. Long time, you know, love hearing from you. Yes. I think you should apply because you have great experience and we would love to have you here. Boom. You get an interview. Once you get an interview, you, you dominate the interview. You ask questions that, you know, the normal person might not ask. And it's not like, what's your work-life balance? But how do you see the Pac-12 adjusting the NIL? Why did the Pac-12 do this? 
why did the Pac-12 do that, right? Like be very curious and strategic in those questions. So I would say, based off of my experience, bet on yourself, be curious and strategic in your journey and your thought process, be a good person because they can always teach you how to be a good employee and, you know, embrace your journey because it's for you. You know, it's not for anybody else. Your journey is, is strictly for Jeremy Evans or for Markel Leonard. You know, you can't compare yourself to anybody else because you guys will all get to the mountaintop at some point, but it'll be at different speeds and it'll be at different paces. Yeah. No, I love that, man. And I appreciate your wisdom, Markel. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to chat with you. And um, this, this, I mean, honestly, this may be one of the, the best episodes that, uh, that I've done and just in terms of like, just an honest conversation. So um, I appreciate it, man. And uh, look forward to uh, chatting with you again soon. We'll have you on again and uh, you know, we can go from there. Yeah, anytime. Anytime you need me on, I would love to do this. For me, this is what it's all about. I think I might have a, a future career when I'm, you know, a little bit, a lot bo- bit more older teaching at some point. So this, I love doing this, you know, that 23, 24-year-old kid with no experience, hoping that, you know, I can get my foot in the door in sports business or sports law. So I promised myself once I got my foot in the door, I always give back and, and you know, this is what I'm doing. So anytime you need me, I'm here. No, I appreciate that, my friend. And on the, the uh, teaching stuff, if you ever need anything on that, uh, I can definitely help open some doors and, and um, at least share my story as to, you know, like what it took and sort of who I met and how that all worked out. It, it sort of seemed to me that it was funny that I try, would try so hard to get teaching gigs. Um, and then really from an experience standpoint, but also from like a supplementary standpoint, you know, like you're trying to build a career, trying to meet people, trying to pay your bills, you know, and, and you feel like you want to give something back as well. But um, I don't know. It's, but, you know, again, happy to help and, and happy to be a, be of service, my friend. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you, man. This was great. And again, please let me know whatever you need from me, uh, your family. So we're all good. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you, man. I'll let you know when this goes live. All right. All right, dude. We'll talk soon. All right. See you. Thanks. All right, folks. Thanks again for listening in. That was Markel Leonard with the PAC 12 conference. As always, appreciate you being with us and we look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube